1: in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord our god is surely in this place and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise and we were the beggars now we're all shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is joy in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Keep her light in the dark Shake up the grounds of all my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion, your way is better, your way is better. Shake up the grounds of all my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion, your way is better. Tradition break down the walls of all my ri-
2: I just feel led to remind you. If there's things or one thing specific, whatever it is, that you have been praying for, and maybe it's been years. But you know what? God hears it. And it's not his timing yet. wants the best for you. He doesn't want second best for you. He wants the best for you in that situation. Just because you haven't heard it yet, just because you haven't been guided to whatever it is or whatever it may be, keep trusting. You have to keep believing. Because He wants what's best for you. Maybe at this time, maybe he's drawing you closer. Maybe he's telling you, make room for me. Bow down on my feet. Grow your relationship with me. Listen to me. He's preparing you. He's, he's preparing the way for that thing to happen it can't come now for whatever reason but it will when it's his timing just prepare your heart prepare your mind there is a reason that you're waiting make room for him
1: Here is where I lay it down You are all I'm chasing now This is my surrender
0: Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 28:16. Matthew 28:16. And as you're turning there, I forgot one announcement. We are having a work day this Saturday. that would have been really bad if I forgot to announce it. I'm the only one that showed up. But this Saturday at nine o'clock, work day. If you've seen our landscaping. It's atrocious. We need some help out there. We're need. we going to clean each and every one of these rooms. If you can't make it Saturday, though, which I know is the case for a lot of times, you can still sign up for a job. You just want to talk to Atavi about that. Maybe you would sign up to clean all the windows. Maybe you would sign up to vacuum the chairs in here. There's tons of jobs. We need as many people as we can to show up on Saturday uh, for this time. Like I said, though, if you can't, Please see Adamby. And what I'm asking you, since we're not doing our twenty-four hours of prayer that we've been doing, I'm asking for you for that when you show up, whatever room that you're in, you spend the time cleaning and also in prayer for whatever ministry that goes on in that room. And you can pray for your church family as well for that. All right. All right, Matthew twenty-eight, sixteen. One of the places that I get to sit in repeatedly, one of the sacred places that I get to sit in repeatedly with people that I know well. And people that I've just met, maybe because I'm a pastor and doing a funeral or something like that, is a place where people share what's going on in their life. And sometimes they're dealing with crushing things, disorientating things. And sometimes they're at a place where they start to question their faith. They start to question God. In the wake of these doubts, they they either will put on a mask if they're attending church, they'll they'll pretend everything is okay when somebody asks them how is life treating them, or they'll pull back from everything. And they'll just kind of uh, go off into their own world away from people. Uh, Another place that I get to sit in with people is with people who grew up in a Christianity where they had all these beliefs and these thoughts about it. As kids, but they're being challenged as adults. They're coming to understand some some new things because of the experiences that they're led into, and it also leads them to places of doubts that can paralyze them. For example, people grew up uh, believing sometimes in Christianity that sometimes if you just have enough faith, right, God will take care of everything. There's some truth to that. But when you're, when you're praying for God to take away that cancer that you're dealing with, when you're praying for God to, to work out your financial situations and things are not moving like you think you do and you're, you're praying, for, praying for years and years and for this spouse that doesn't know Christ, sometimes you come to the place where you start to question. Is he really in control? Is he really for me? Those are just some of the things that I see. I remember seeing a very godly person in our church come down with a disease, and I was sure God was going to heal this person. I knew it in my heart he was going to heal this person. He had a young son and a wife, and he was praying, Lord, just let me get through graduation with my son. His family needed him, right? And he was doing the work of the Lord. He was, he was testifying. He was, he was sharing the gospel with everybody that he met through this season. And I remember the, the pastor at the time talking about, if we just have enough faith, we were just sure that God would heal him. But he passed. That, that threw me for a loop. Caused me to question some things. I've experienced things in my own life where I'm thinking and, I'm doing the things that God wants me to do and yet everything in life seems to be just kicking me even though I think I'm being obedient with what God is calling me to do. It's almost like God isn't keeping up his side of the agreement, his side of the bargain. When that happens, it can make us wonder and sometimes it can make us step back. I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit... Not only spoke through the songs that we said, but through Pastor Doc's, or Pastor Doc's, Pastor Doug's scripture, and with what Emma said, lining everything up. Maybe you have been in a place where you're praying and asking God to take an addiction away. You're believing, you're trusting, but things don't change, and you find yourself continually falling. What does the enemy do in those moments? Ah, the enemy comes in and tells you, well, the reason that you're, you're still struggling with this is you're, you're not devoted. You don't really love God. You're, you're not a follower of Christ. You must not be a Christian. You're just a horrible person. Look at you. And maybe you think, maybe the enemy's right. Or why am I bothering When it seems like the more good I try to do, the the more righteous I try to live, the worse it seems to get for me. Why? The enemy wants us to shrink back from what God is calling us to do. But I want to show you that biblical truth speaks to this situation, speaks to the reality of our faith. I want you to see this morning that the spread of the gospel happens through imperfect people broken Christians that sometimes still have doubts. There, there is a thought that must be put to death and buried today. And this thought is that I have to obtain some level of perfection before the Lord can use me. That can't be a part of our thought process. It's not biblical. It's not historical. And my friends, it's, a, it's demonic. And it must be cast out by the, the feared name of Jesus Christ. We need to be people that share the gospel with our neighbors and our friends, our co-workers, our family, here and abroad and all over the world. And we cannot let doubt paralyze us or stop us. Amen. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? to the very end of the age father we thank you for your word speak to us call us come near to us lord and may we come near to you father we love you and we give you all praise you all honor lord in your name we pray amen you may be seated This is the great mission that we talk about in our church motto, right? This is the great mission that we are on together. And we cannot let doubt get in the way of us joining in with God and what He is doing, right? We're going to see that doubt is, is normal. But we need to move forward in it. There's a guy in the Bible that gets a terrible rap. This guy is bold. I don't know if we realize this. A man of God. And he has one moment of weakness, and he gets this label for the rest of his life that we all in here know, right? His name, Doubting Thomas. Man, I tell you, I wish I was like Doubting Thomas. Usually when we read his name, we, we, we just hear it in the list of the apostles, the list of the disciples that the Bible gives us. There are two passages where we actually learn a little bit more, and, and the one is the one that we tend to focus in on him, and that's where he gets his nickname, right? But I want to look at the other passage today, that's found in John 11, verse 14. This is right after Lazarus has died and Jesus has told his disciples of his death. Watch Thomas' response. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus. Thomas would be his Hebrew name, Didymus, Greek. They both mean twin. Said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Did you catch that? Jesus is misunderstood. Lazarus has died, and Jesus is like, let's go to him. So they're ex- they aren't expecting a-, a resurrection. And here's Thomas, though, who seems to be a, a glass-half-full type Person. I don't know if you guys watch The Chosen but one of the things that I, I really like about the show is they really show personalities and you learn that they're not just all the same they, they all have their quirks and their different things but Thomas is a person that takes the dark view of everything and he takes this to mean that if they go down there that they're going to die too Jesus has been talking preparing them that he's going to die soon and so Thomas takes this as Jesus is saying, we're going to actually go meet Lazarus where he's at. We're going to go die. And he says, let us also go that we may die with him. So the other passage that we know him for is one of unbelief. And here though, he's willing to go to his death, right? Right? This this sounds like something that Peter would say. This is something that we'd expect him. Not Thomas. Let's go. He's unafraid. There's passion here. It's misguided. But here's one of the disciples and he's a doubter, but he's also bold. We know, we know that Jesus is going here to, to raise Lazarus from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. That's what Jesus was saying, right? And Fast forward to, to after the resurrection and in John chapter 20. This is the other passage, the, the more famous passage, I think, unfortunately for him. John 20 verse 24. Now Thomas, also called Denimus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, Do you think Thomas remembered back a week ago to what he said? Oh, man. Thomas, come here. Put your hands right here. Feel these scars, right? Notice. Notice where Jesus meets Thomas. Right smack middle in, in his doubt. That's where he meets him, right? Right? Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Look at his response. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those though, who have not seen and yet have believed. One minute. He's all in on Jesus. He, he's, he's ready. Let's go die. I hope it's a good death, right? That's what he's saying. He's that guy. The next minute, he just couldn't wrap his mind around a resurrected Jesus. It made zero sense to him. They show up, and they tell him, hey, he's alive. He's risen, right? And Thomas's response is, no way, no way I'm going to believe that. I saw him brutally murdered. I saw the spear go into his side. He was dead. And unless I touch those nail marks, unless I put my hand in his side, right, there is no way that I'm going to buy into this. You guys are crazy. Doubting Thomas. You know what, though? Even though he doubted, they didn't kick him out. Right? Who's welcome? There with them. They didn't throw him out. It's like a week later, he's still doubting. And he wasn't kicked out of the Apostles Club. He's still there. He's still praying with them, still in this community of faith. And Jesus moves, shows up, and moves towards him in that season of doubt. I I pray our church is a, I know it's PC correct to say, safe place. You know, and I'm not about being PC correct, but I, I hope this is a safe space for anybody that doubts. You can be an atheist, you are welcome here. I want you to encounter a risen Lord, though. And that's my prayer. I want God to meet you in your doubt. And if you allow Him, He will. Church tradition tells us that Thomas would bring the gospel message to the nation of India also where he would be killed for his faith. Doubting Thomas, apostle to India. This is the image that I want us to see with Thomas. So when we are following Jesus, right, and we we are walking with confidence that he is the King of kings, he is the Lord of the Lord, he has risen from the grave, right? There there are still going to be seasons, though, where that doubt, creeps in, where those questions come into our minds, those moments where we just don't get it, why he hasn't answered that prayer, why he continues to say, not right now, right? What might he be up to, though? That's what we have to be thinking about. What, what or why is this happening? It's a place where we still trust. We, we must still hang on to that, right? We still believe, but there are some things that are going to be gnawing at us, maybe that we're just wondering about. I want us to see that the apostles didn't wear capes. Right? There's no superheroes here but Jesus. I want us to see that they struggled with things. Men and women of God have their moments, right? The the Bible's full of people who deeply love Jesus. And they're following him. They're serving him. And sometimes they get a little confused. And they have some really honest moments about God. And I'm so glad that the Bible gives us those accounts so that we can see we're not alone. They're in there for a reason, right? Like we read at the beginning, Jesus has risen, spent 40 days with the disciples. He's eaten meals with them. He's shown himself to them. He's talked to them. He's breathed the Holy Spirit on them, right? And then we read in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What a combination, right? I don't want you to think that eventually if you see something miraculous, that you're never going to have another doubt come into your mind again. Never have another doubt creep in there, right? They saw all the miracles. They saw him back from the dead, but there's doubt. Why? Because it's human nature. It's human nature to try to find some possible explanation besides the miraculous of how he could be back, of how he could have performed these miracles. It's human nature to try to explain the miracles away. But see this. Even in this moment, Jesus doesn't withhold the mission from them. He still gives it to them, right? Don't wait until you get it all squared away. Don't wait until you don't have any doubts. Go, I am sending you. Don't wait until you're all perfect. Don't wait until you don't have any struggles. Don't wait until you have all the answers. That's what we want to do when God tells us to do something. We want it to be all lined up. We want to have the answers. We want to have the way. And we pull back and we don't follow him and what he calls us to do. The only thing that we should be waiting is for the Holy Spirit, is for God to go with us, is for God to point the direction. And then we move forward, right? You wait for everything to line up, and you will never move where you're at. Go. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I got a lot of questions. Go. How, Jesus? Surely I am with you always. That's how we go. Go to the very end of the age. Listen, if I was a perfect pastor, I wouldn't need to cling to God, right? wouldn't have any need of him. If I still didn't get scared, wouldn't need him. If I had all the answers, I wouldn't be desperate for him, right? We can let doubt draw us away, or can we can let doubt draw us towards him. It has to be towards him because we trust him. Let me give you some other examples. Jeremiah 27, Jeremiah, prophet of God, right? This is what he says. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak out, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all the day long. This is, this is Jeremiah saying, I'm doing what you're telling me to do, and yet everyone hates me. And that's not what you promised me, Lord. Do you remember Jeremiah 1, how he formed him and knit him in his mother's womb? And he says this in verse 10, See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. That's what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting to get beat bloody and thrown naked into a ditch. I wasn't expecting that every time I open my mouth, there is ferocious and violent opposition to what I'm saying. I didn't sign up for this. You deceived me, Lord. That's his prayer. Could you imagine going into your small group prayer with that one? We'd probably try to pull that person aside and correct them. He can't be saying those things, right? But have we ever thought them? Have we ever been in a place where we trust God, we know He's God? We know He knows everything. We know He knows what He's doing, but we just don't get it. It just doesn't make sense to us. We feel like maybe He's just not living up to His side. Having these thoughts does not mean that you don't trust or don't love the Lord. Jeremiah did, right? And what did he do, though, with them? He went to the Lord with them. He brought them before his father, right? And that's the key. He didn't run from God in those moments of doubts and those moments of questions, David, his nickname was a man after God's own heart. Have you ever had that nickname thrown at you? It's a pretty good one, right? Psalm 13, beginning of verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will the enemy triumph over me? Do you see the tension there? Here's somebody we know who loves and trusts God, right? And yet feels stuck. He's wrestling with these thoughts that he has. Have you ever been there? I mean, at this point, David's been anointed as king. Saul's been chasing after him for over a decade. Over a decade, right? And his close friend he's he's lost him he's currently hiding in these caves things don't look good and i'm sure he was remembering back to when he was watching the family sheep right you lord you came and got me i didn't ask for this right where are you how long lord will you forget me forever Didn't you call me to this ministry? Maybe that's what we're saying. How long, Lord? The enemy will come and tell you, you're you're a fool. God isn't coming through for you. God doesn't have a plan for you. Look at what you have to deal with. The enemy is a predator. The enemy comes to seek and destroy. And the way that happens is he separates you from the flock. He gets you to doubt. He pulls you away from it so he can isolate you and pick you off. Notice what David does here, though. He, he like Jeremiah, takes it to the Lord. This is, this is a song that he wrote. Look at verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. He's been good to him. He's living in a cave for 10 years. He's on the run. Yeah, David goes back to that, right? It's a song that he can sing to remind himself in those seasons of doubt. It's a song that we can sing in our seasons of doubt to remind us, right? But I will trust in your unfailing love. I want us to move forward. Keep moving forward towards the mission that he's given us, right? Especially when we are in these seasons that are very normal. Don't wait. Don't be isolated. Don't be pulled aside and pulled back, right? You're never going to look anything better than a sinner saved by grace, Don't wait till you get it all worked out. Move towards him. Move forward with the mission. Let him sanctify you and set you apart for ministry. Matthew 11:11 11, 11 says, "Truly, I tell you, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist." That's pretty amazing. That's a pretty good description, right? And yet every time John seems to open his mouth, it seems like bad things happening. He ends up in prison, right, where he would eventually have his head taken from him. Matthew 11, verse 2. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Do you remember John's already on the books saying, Behold, behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He's already acknowledged that, right? He's, he's almost backtracking here. Behold, this is the Messiah. And now, um, well, is he? Uh, let me go figure this out. Go, go ask him if he is. I, I wonder if it's because he's in prison. And that's not how it was supposed to work out, right? When Jesus came, when the Messiah came. I wonder if he's dealing with stuff. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you, have, what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is promised to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus answers John by quoting Isaiah the prophet about what the Messiah would do, except for Jesus leaves off one thing. And the captives shall be set free. Where's John at? He's in prison. In a moment of crisis, are you really the Messiah? He sends those runners to ask, right? Jesus responds, tell them what you see. All that Isaiah said is coming true, but you're not going free. But the captive is supposed to go free, Right? When we're on mission, there will be moments. There will be seasons where we are weak, where we lose sight, where we wonder, where we question, where we experience that doubt. But we cannot shrink back from our Lord. That's when we draw near to Him. And we must stay on mission. Tim Keller says... A faith without some doubt is like a human body with no antibodies in it. People who blindly go through life too busy or indifferent to ask the hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the problem or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight If she's failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection, believers should acknowledge and wrestle wrestle with doubts, not only on their own, not only their own, but of their friends and their neighbors. It is no longer sufficient to hold beliefs just because you inherited them. My friends, you cannot have the faith of your parents. You need your own. You cannot just look over your doubts, address them, dig into them, draw near to him, right? I'm not saying it's normal to have doubts and just be content with it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's normal to have doubts, but move towards God in them instead of away from him. Put your full trust on him. Put your full weight on him as you move forward during those seasons those of you with kids. If you're a kid, if your kid is confused and disorientated, don't you move towards them? Don't you reach out to them when they're struggling, when they're exhausted, when they're overwhelmed? Don't we reach out and grab for them? When they're barely hanging in there, don't we come alongside them? Why would it be any different from our Heavenly Father? The enemy is going to tell you that he's disappointed, that he wants nothing to do with you. But he understands what we're going through. And he's drawing near to us. He's reaching out for us. In those moments, in those seasons of doubt. And we have to reach back. We have to draw near to him. My friends, this is the heart of the Father during these seasons, right? Not to withdraw, but to move towards. Jesus moved towards Thomas's doubt, right? Put your hand here. Feel my side. My friends, the future is getting dark for us. And it is going to get a lot darker in the United States. There is a toxic air that we have to breathe in here. There is a persistent message in America of what it means to flourish, and it's acidic to everything that we believe. Families are being destroyed. Men are bailing right and left from their role. And if we're going to stay true to the Bible, we're going to come up against the world. If you're a younger Christian, you're going to feel stuck between two worlds. Both sides are going to try to draw you in. And you're going to have to die to one and completely follow the other. If you're a more mature Christian at this point, you're just going to have to realize that you're going to come up against it. Rough times are coming. Rough seasons of doubt, I'm sure, are coming. And what we have to do is remind us that the Son of God descended, right, with was clothed in fra- flesh. He died on a cross for you and for me. He absorbed God's wrath that was meant for us so that we might be set free, so that we might be filled with his spirit, with his joy, with his peace. My friends, that's going to be the place that we have to build from. That has to be the rock that we cling to during these times, right? This is our base. From here, we move forward. From here, we move into the fight. You remember the, the first Top Gun movie? Anybody remember that movie? You should watch it if you haven't. At the end, Iceman and Hollywood, though, are out on this mission uh, engaging what they think is two bogies. And they come to find out it's actually six MiGs. And when they do that, they launch Maverick to, to go help them out, right? So Maverick's deployed, and they start fighting. Maverick experiences something that reminds him of his past, and he's paralyzed by it, right? He, he can't engage. He disengages, right? And I think Hollywood is shot down, and Iceman's begging for him to re-engage, to get back in. I wonder how many of us are frozen and paralyzed and won't engage in this battle that we're in. I don't even think some of us realize that we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual war. I was in prayer Saturday morning and I'm like, this church is too nice looking. Right? It it portrays a false reality that we are in a time of peace. Peace. I'm like, we need to make this place look like a military HQ or something. We need to have a mash unit here, some barbed wire. Let's spray paint it camouflage. Go over well, right? Yeah, we'll do it Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Grab some attention, right? But make no mistake, we are in a spiritual war. Our family is not being destroyed. I mean, we're taking the innocent lives of our future and throwing them away, discarding them. We're in a spiritual war with people being taken out by addiction, marriages that are torn apart, and and we're not even willing to share the good news. We're just... Content to come to church and think that's good enough. We won't engage though. Maybe we were engaging, but we've come through a season of doubt and now we won't re engage. I I know that because we can't even get people out here to pray, people to join us in prayer, right? If this is really a spiritual battle, if there's really an enemy, that comes to seek, maim, and destroy, wouldn't we be on our knees crying out to God for deliverance, for help, for wisdom? But we're not even willing to do that. And that just points to me doing a, a bad job of making us aware of that reality, right? We need to be engaged. We need to get in the game, right? I'm telling you, we cannot shrink back we cannot let doubts take us out. I have doubts. I, I have times where I don't know what I'm going to say, and, and I just want you to know that's normal. That's normal. But that's a time that you draw near to him, that you hang on to him, that you cling to him. Man, if he's that rock, if that, if that statement is that rock, that's what we cling to. And no matter what happens, we have that. That's where our trust is in. What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to be a part of? Who is God calling you to reach? I would love for somebody to come up and say, James, you know, I I, I just think I'm going to start a Bible study at my work. Or uh, we need to get into our school systems. I'm going to start an after school thing going on in our school. I'd love for a teen to do that, right? Heck, I'd love for somebody to come up and say, hey, hey James, I feel called to this bar. I'm going to go try to have a Bible study in this bar. Right? We go out, right? He's calling us out of this building. The goal is not to get people in here. The goal is to equip people in here and send people out there to where people are at to that nursing home, to that whatever place it is. I I loved hearing about these women that were were going to a strip club, ministering to the strippers, right? It's not going to be something that God calls me to do. But what is he calling you to do? Where is the area that he's calling you to be a missionary to? Where is that area of darkness that tugs at your heart? My friends, I want to challenge you during this season to pray and just ask God, what are you doing? Where do you need me? What are you calling me to be a part of? And then when you hear that answer and you're filled with all sorts of doubt, move forward in it and cling to him and trust him. Amen. Would you stand with me? the heroes in the Bible did not wear capes. Ordinary men and women, at times filled with doubt. But the difference is they didn't let doubt stop them. They moved towards him in those times of doubt. And they were on mission. They didn't let it take them away from that. My friends, that needs to be You and us. Well, I'm too old. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, I don't have this squared away. I'm still struggling with this. Move forward. Because what happens when you move forward is you cling to him. And when you cling to him, he takes care of those other things because you're so close to him. Because you're dependent on him. Because you're on your knees in prayer every day, every hour, because you need him to move into what he's called you to do. And that's when you start changing. That's when he starts changing you. If you're going to wait, though, you're going to miss out on that. Move forward. And whatever he's calling you to do, don't try and come up with it yourself. Wait for him to call you. Be listening for that. He will. He'll give you somebody. And you move forward in that doubt, though. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for that. You are a God who is concerned about us, a God who does come and meet us in our doubts, who draws near to us, who doesn't run from us, who doesn't put us down, who doesn't scold us and say, why aren't you believing? You just encourage us to believe. You tell us to stop doubting, Lord, let us draw near to you during those times. Father, I pray that you would speak to every person in here that knows you as Lord and Savior and that you'd call them into what you're doing. And may we be faithful even in the face of doubts, Lord. May we trust your timing. And may we trust that you told us that you'd be with us. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray, amen.